Good morning, everybody. Welcome to church this morning. Would you stand and worship with us today? Wave across the room. Let everyone know that you're glad that they're here this morning. Isn't it good to be in church?
aren't you glad that Jesus came for you? Father, we remember you now and we celebrate you and we're so grateful. A thousand generations and falling down in worship to sing the song of ages to the Lamb. And all who've gone before us and all who will believe will sing the song of ages to the Lamb. Cause your name is the highest, your name is the greatest, your name stands above them all. All thrones and dominions, all powers and positions, your name stands above them all. And the angels cry.
Hallelujah. We lift up our hearts to you today. We lift up our voices to you. You are our Prince of Peace. We trust in you. We lean on you. We rely on you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, today for your presence in our midst, for ministering and speaking to each of our hearts, O oh Lord. We make room for you to do what you will. We magnify and bless you. If you can agree with that, say amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Well, before you're seated, why don't you turn around, introduce yourself to several people sitting around you. Give them a warm welcome and God bless you and then you may be seated. Those of you who are worshiping with us online, Facebook and YouTube, we're so glad that you've joined us. We know that you're gonna be ministered to by the word of God today. the Lord. Amen. Well, for those of you who may be worshiping with us today for the first time, we give you a great big welcome. We're glad that you're here. And if you wouldn't mind uh, just filling out the connect card in the seat in front of you and place it into the offering when it comes by later in the service, we would appreciate that. And with that, why don't the children come right now? The children have a little something that they're going to pre be presenting to us. And so uh, they're ready. I told them, look, don't rush it. Don't be nervous. When children do the wrong things, speak out. One year, I've told this many years, one year we had a little angel. She was about three. It was one of the first years of the church. And when she saw her dad, and we made these cardboard wings, and when she saw her dad, she was so excited. She uh, waved at him and she yelled, Daddy, and she went running toward him and those cardboard wings were just flapping. And you know, of course, sometimes parents are horrified by that, but we all like it. You can bring them up. You can put them however you want. I'm filling time. That's what this is called. Anthony, the little children should be coming through that side door over there if you want to let them in. Let's see. Did, I think, does, does this need to be moved? Yes, okay. So, thank you.
Christmas is a special time, a time where we get to celebrate with family and friends, a time of gifts, cheer, celebration, and light. But Christmas has a much bigger meaning. It's a time to celebrate our Savior's birth. So please enjoy as we travel back in time to Bethlehem and recreate the story of our Savior's birth. Mary and Joseph were married and experienced a miracle. Mary became pregnant with the Messiah, Jesus Christ. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph and said, Mary shall give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Mary and Joseph traveled to Bethlehem on their donkey. Joseph knew they needed a room. Mary would give birth soon. They came upon a man. Do you have any room in your inn? I'm sorry, we are full. Try across the way. Do you have any room in your inn? Do you have any room in your inn? No, I am sorry, we are full. Do you have any room in your inn? We have come a long way, and my wife is with a child. Joseph, the baby's coming soon. All of our rooms, all of the rooms are full, but we have an empty stable out back you may use. It's not much, but it will give you some shelter, and there's plenty of hay to sleep on. We'll take the stable, thank you. Yes, thank you. Mary gave birth, birth to Jesus and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a major. shepherds that the Son of God, God had been born, and they hurried to find the newborn Savior. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of good joy, that shall be to all people. For unto you born this day Christ the Lord. Let us go unto Bethlehem and see the Savior which the Lord has made known to us. And behold, there came three wise men who brought gifts. Where is he, born king of the Jews? We have seen the star in the east and have traveled to worship him. Look, the star that steady, bold, and still. And when they saw Mary and the young child, they fell down and worshiped him. Ah! 
Here's some gold. Here's some frankincense. Here's some myrrh. This Christmas, may we all come together in joy and thankfulness. And be grateful because of Jesus that we are forgiven. There's hope, there's life. Merry Christmas! Encore, encore. Oh, that was so perfect. <laughs> oh, so sweet. Thank you all. Thank you, teachers. And thank you, children. Was beautiful. Amen. Praise the Lord. Just a few announcements. Okay. Oh, yes. Ryan is coming up here. Ryan, you must stop now and turn around. Ryan became a father. Yes, this, yeah, okay. This is like one of the most favorite announcements I'm ever making. So anyway, Ryan, last Sunday morning, just as they were finishing worship, got a text from Nicole. And she said, Ryan, I think the baby is going to be born. So Ryan, in his calm, composed, always cool self. He, you know, leaves the service, drives home, gets Nicole. They get in the car at about 1020, 
And uh, then, uh, yeah, 10.20, they got in the car. And around, Ryan said, 11.40-ish, uh, Zeke, Michael, Tilo was born. He was uh, seven pounds, 14 ounces. But the unique thing is that Zeke Michael was born on Beach Boulevard in his Kia on the way to the hospital. Yes, he deserves the Dad of the Year Award. <laughs> I told him when he texted us, we have only seen this in sitcoms. Never have I heard of this happening. But anyway, mother and son are doing well. Dad has survived, praise the Lord. And so we're so happy for them. And uh, this is a birth we will never forget. And I'm sure you won't either. But anyway, Zeke is a, is a sweet little boy. And um, so anyway, we congratulate them. Amen. Uh, we want to remind you that tonight, so you notice uh, everything is set up a little bit differently. Tonight we have our orchestrated Christmas concert. In fact, they were setting up here yesterday most of the day and took a lot of stuff down. So this whole front yesterday, is there something that goes in front of this? No, it just is this, this area here. Over here too. Yeah, they had to take some things down. So there's a stage that comes out here and it's all filled with musicians. So there's going to be a 30-piece orchestra. If any of you have followed social media, you've seen we've posted some of the rehearsals that they've been doing. Uh, and so it's, it's going to be beautiful. Um, there's uh, numerous uh, instruments that will be played and there's five vocalists. At 6 o'clock tonight, you can pick up your ticket at the Information Center or you can... Uh, um, uh, uh, still order it online or you can even get tickets at the door. So be sure to invite, invite a friend to this. You know, um, we have some friends that are coming tonight who actually have never been to church. They've never been in a church before. And so it's a wonderful opportunity to, to invite people. They will hear the gospel in song tonight. So um, be, sure, uh, be sure to join us. Then we're going to remind you that next Sunday, of course... It's Christmas Eve. Who's ready for Christmas Eve? I will tell you, ladies, I am wrapped. And the only reason everything is wrapped is because I have a 26-year-old daughter who is my personal elf. It's the only reason that I'm ready. In fact, uh, somebody uh, texted me last night and they said, do you, do you rent out your elf? I said, text her. She is available. Anyway, so um, next Sunday, Christmas Eve, evening we will have our our candlelight service here at of course in the morning at 9 30 and then also our candlelight service in the evening at five o'clock it's about an hour long so be sure to join us uh for that as a part of your christmas tradition it is uh it's uh i think our favorite part praise the lord and then um we're going to ask the ushers to come um we're going to remind you that um we are this month taking up uh offering for um, orphanages that we do every year. Um, we have 
uh, uh, folk that we, orphanages that we've supported for many years. One is in the Philippines, and then another um, is in Nepal. And then the third is through Terry Mai's ministry, he has numerous orphanages that he supports there. So if there's one of those three that you would like to give special a special offering to, you can designate that on your envelope, or if you just want to give generally to it all, we'll divide it equally and send it to all three of those ministries. Thus far, we have $2,500 that has come in for that, and so uh, we'll still be uh, uh, receiving offerings and sending offerings for them through this, uh, through this month. Praise the Lord. And then um, before we pray here, I just wanted to read a few scriptures to us. Uh, Proverbs 11.25 says, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. And then Proverbs 28.20, I love this scripture, and I'm going to read it also in a couple of translations. The King James says, a faithful man shall abound with blessings. And here's a few, few translations I liked. Reliable people will have abundant blessings, but those with get-rich-quick schemes won't go unpunished. A trustworthy person will receive many blessings. And the last one is people who can be trusted will have many blessings, but those who are just trying to get rich in a hurry will be punished. Praise the Lord. Smith Wigglesworth said, and I like this, I like what he said. I've remembered it all my life. I heard it many years ago. He said, make as much as you can, give as much as you can, and save as much as you can. I think that in the times that we're living, that is, and that's always great advice, those three things to remember. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we're so thankful. We're so grateful for your supply and your promise of abundant provision. We've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging bread. So Father, we thank you that you are faithful to honor us as we tithe, as we bring offerings, and as we honor you first. We remember you first. Our money is a symbol of our labor and of what we do, and we put you first. We give to you first. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of our needs. We speak abundance and blessing in Jesus' name, amen. Before the humble prince of 
stand again one more time and let's make our confession this is our year of jubilee we expect manifestations of the Holy Ghost and power we believe for financial miracles and miracles of healing in Jesus name amen you may be seated I want to start this morning in Colossians chapter 3 Verse 1, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above and not on things of the earth. Set your affection on things above and not on things of the earth. You remember in uh, Numbers chapter 21, it tells us about when Israel was uh, spending their time, the 40 years in the wilderness, and uh, they got themselves in a situation of difficulty by complaining against God and complaining uh, against Moses. And the Bible says that fiery serpents came into the camp. Now, the, the wilderness was a place where fiery serpents were, they lived and were prolific throughout the wilderness. But the only time we ever see that, they, that Israel had any trouble with the fiery serpents was when they complained and got themselves in trouble. So God told Moses, in order to fix the problem, he told him to make a serpent of brass and put it on a pole. Now this is indicative of 
Jesus being made sin for us. That's why it was a serpent and not a lamb. And, um, and Moses commanded the people, as God told him to, that whoso looketh on the, the serpent of brass would be healed. Now that presupposes that there's going to be a fight in them looking at the serpent of brass. There's going to be hindrances. There's going to be difficulties. There's going to be opportunities for them to turn their gaze away to something else. But what they, what they looked at determined what they would get. Now, we could oversimplify it and not think it through and imagine that everybody just casually glanced at the serpent on the pole and received their healing. But the reality is probably closer to something like people looking at the serpent's brass that was on the pole and feeling something crawling on their foot and looking away from the serpent. that was fulfilled by Jesus becoming sin for us and keep them from, from the very thing that God provided for them. There's a, in Romans chapter four, it tells us about Abraham's example of faith. And we are encouraged to follow his example and when he was 100 years old and past the age of having children, he and Sarah, who was 90, it tells us that he considered not his own body now dead, which means the circumstances in his flesh were such that it would be impossible for him to have children. It would be impossible for Sarah to conceive. But it says... He, looking at the promise of God, staggered not or wavered not through unbelief. Folks, there's a fight. The greatest fight that takes place in the lives of any believer as to what they look at. There's a... The Bible tells us about how God manifested himself to his people. When the time came for God to deliver the children of Israel from the bondage of Egypt, they weren't in Egypt because of their sin. They weren't the cause of their own problems. Remember that Israel went down to, to Egypt when Joseph became prime minister and they were honored by Pharaoh. But as one Pharaoh passed on to the next, over several hundred years, they were in a place of bondage, slavery, that Pharaoh had imposed upon Israel. And so when the time came for God to re reveal himself to his people, 
The Bible tells us about how he did it. There there were a lot of ways, any way that God could have operated against Egypt to deliver Israel. But he showed himself in 10 instances as a power greater than other gods that Egypt worshipped, idols, and so forth. In Psalm 105, beginning in verse 26, it says, He sent Moses his servant and Aaron, whom he had chosen. They showed his signs among them and wonders in the land of Ham. He sent darkness and and made it dark, and they rebelled not against his word. He turned their waters into blood and slew their fish. Their land brought forth frogs in abundance in the chambers of the kings. He spake, and there came divers sorts of flies and lice in all their coasts. He gave them hail for rain and flaming fire in their land. He smote their vines also in their fig trees and broke the trees of their coasts. He spake, and the locusts came, and caterpillars and that without number. And he did eat up all the herbs in the field or their land and devour the fruit of their ground. He smote also all the firstborn in their land, the chief of all their strength. He brought them forth also with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among the tribes. God could have done anything that we can imagine. He could have operated swiftly rather than the time that it took for these plagues to run their course. But God showed himself as a greater God than the, the gods of Egypt. The Bible tells us that in most cases the problems that come came upon Egypt uh, came upon Israel were brought about by themselves in their own disbelief. But God always stepped into the to the gap and delivered his people. When Pharaoh chased after him with 600 of his chariots to destroy the people of Israel, God parted the Red Sea and they went across on dry land. Now there's a verse of scripture I want you to see. Second Kings chapter eight. It says in verse seven, and Elisha came to Damascus, and Ben Hadad, the king of Syria, was sick. And it was told him, saying, The man of God has come thither. Now you may remember in chapter five, Second Kings chapter five, it tells us about Naaman, who was a uh, an officer. He had leprosy. And he was encouraged by the servants in his house to send for Elisha or go down to where Elisha was and receive healing. So he did, and Elisha told him to dip seven times in the Jordan River and he'd come again clean. And that offended Naaman. 
he was used to ceremony and he was used to people having respect for his office and his rank. And he started complaining about the, the seemingly foolish thing that he was commanded to do that Elisha told him to do. But they, his servants and the others around him finally talked him into doing it. And he did, and he received his healing. And it changed everything about his countenance. He became a different person. And so apparently this was something that was known even among the enemies of Israel. He knew that they served a God of healing and that God would minister healing even to those who were of the enemy camp. So here's the same thing that's taking place in 2 Kings chapter 8. Elisha came to Damascus and Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, was sick and it was told him, saying, The man of God has come hither. And the king said unto Hazel, Take a present in thine hand and go meet the man of God and inquire of the Lord by him, saying, Shall I recover of this disease? So Hazel went to meet him and took a present with him, even of every good thing of Damascus, forty camels burden, and came and stood before him and said, Thy son Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, has sent me to thee, saying, Shall I recover of this disease? And Elisha said unto him, Go say unto him, Thou mayest certainly recover, howbeit the Lord has showed me that thou shalt surely die. Now notice the response that Elisha gives to this agent of the king of Syria. He says to him that healing is available to him, but he won't receive. Now, if he certainly could recover, then that means the responsibility is not his, it's not God's, but it's his. And I would submit to you that we've got a lot of people in the body of Christ that have adapted their belief to fit this verse of Scripture, only it's a wrong interpretation. The reason he's not going to recover is because he's not going to do what is necessary to recover. But God identifies himself as the God of healing, even when somebody fails to receive. How many do we know that are in that same situation? God hasn't changed. So if God was the God who recovered in the Old Testament, he's the God who recovers from sickness, recovers someone from sickness in the New Testament. But people make all kinds of excuses for why they didn't receive, which when you get right down to it, comes down to what we do in the position that we take. And in many cases, what we look at, what we see, are we looking at heavenly things? Let's look at some other examples of where God 
recovered his blessing for his people. 2 Kings chapter 7. Israel is under siege. It tells us about how uh, an issue arises between two women that under this siege they come to an agreement, make a pact with one another that they'll each take their young child and they'll boil him and then eat him. But the first mother goes through her part and the second mother refuses to. And so it comes to the king and it shows a level of distress that we can't imagine, or I can't at least. So Elijah, I'm sorry, Elisha, in 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 1, delivers the word of the Lord. Thus say the Lord, tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. A lot of food for a little bit of money. Overnight, the siege ends. And provision is, is provided for the children of Israel. Then a Lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? The word of the Lord is too great for this man to accept. And Elisha responds and says, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shall not eat thereof. He's trampled the next day. The Christmas story tells us a little bit about God's actions toward Israel. Luke chapter 2 verse 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Then the shepherds went to Bethlehem where they found Jesus wrapped in these swaddling clothes. Swaddling clothes had a very specific meaning in that day. The lambs that were born in Bethlehem where in, in and around the stable that Mary and Joseph were were sacrificial lambs animals that were made that were offered as a sacrifice for the people's sins so when Jesus was born in Bethlehem it had a very distinct 
purpose. And the swaddling clothes were the clothes that these newborn lambs would be wrapped in to protect so that they didn't have any spot or blemish, any injuries or any bad spots. One of the things that amazes me is how people so often will ignore what's going on around them from a spiritual perspective and just focus on the circumstances that they're going through or experiencing. There is no other place in recorded history, biblical or otherwise, where angels appeared in the sky to celebrate the birth of a child. Now my question is why aren't these guys, these shepherds, following Jesus through his life, keeping their eye on him to find out what God's plan for him is? There's another place in, uh, in the New Testament First Corinthians chapter 15 First Corinthians chapter 15 verse 3, "For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures." And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once. Of whom the greater part remain until this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And last of all he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. There was an incident, incident that took place after Jesus was risen from the dead where he appeared to over a crowd of over 500 people. Yet you look in the, to the, as things developed in the upper room in Acts chapter 2, it says there were 150 people. Where did the, the other 380 come from? Where are they? If you saw Jesus raised from the dead, if you were alive in that day, you would certainly be aware of the miracles that he performed, the testimony of others. And then after being crucified, he's raised from the dead after the third day. And more than 500 people see him at one, one instance. Wouldn't that change your life? I just can't imagine how people went back, went, went back to doing whatever other stuff they were doing before. But folks, there is a battle that takes place in the life of every believer every day, and that is what we look at. The devil wants to distract us. He wants us to think or see 
the circumstances that we're in is important, much more important than they really should be to us. What does it take to turn somebody's attention toward God? Jesus performed miracles that no man ever did before. And yet people ignored him day after day after day after day. The most important thing you can do as a believer is to choose to direct your attention to heavenly things instead of earthly things. The Bible has the answer for any problem you have. It's simply up to us to put it to work or put it to practice so that we walk in the blessings that God has made available to us. And if we don't, there's really nobody to blame but ourselves. Now, that's not the way it goes usually. People usually blame God for what they fail to do themselves or on their own. There are things going on in the world that we live in today that have spiritual significance that, like most things, most people fail to recognize or fail to see the importance of. There are numerous times, one with Jehoshaphat and the other with Hezekiah, as kings of Israel in the Old Testament, well, really kings of Judah, but there were times where the kings sought God's help when they were faced with enemies attacking, stronger enemies than themselves in most cases. And that in those two instances tells us about how God set the enemies of Israel at war against each other so that the people that were enemies of Israel destroyed themselves. These are things that God did to show themselves to be the most high God the creator of heaven and earth and the deliverer from all of our enemies. In this conflict that Israel's in now against Hamas in the Gaza area, the IDF, Israel Defense Force, released, uh, it was an article I saw a couple of weeks ago how that they are 
now beginning to deal with the enemy in the tunnels, the tunnel structures that have been found and identified. And the IDF said that um, there was evidence in some of these tunnels of where the enemies of Israel had started fighting against each other. If God did this in the Old Testament, we could expect him to do it in the New Testament too. And in fact, if he did something in the New Testament, in the present day circumstances that we have record of in the Old Testament, it would be a means of God identifying himself. The God of ancient Israel is still the God of present Israel, present day Israel. Folks, we're living in a day that's unlike anything that's ever, that, we, that anybody has ever experienced before. We're living in a day that I believe leads to Jesus returning for the church and exacting his judgment upon the world. And every nation shall be judged. It's a day of glory in the church. It's a day when the power of the Holy Ghost, the same power that worked through Jesus in his earthly ministry, will work through the church to show that God's word is true, to show that God's promises are real. To identify that Jesus is the great King, King of kings and Lord of lords. There's never been a more important time for us to direct our attention without wavering, without hesitation. To focus our attention on heavenly things. To focus our attention on the promises he has given us. And the power in the name of Jesus that he will bring to bear against anything, any problem, any trouble, any enemy that rises up against us. I don't want to be one of those that Elisha spoke to. He said, Thou may certainly recover, but the Lord has shown me that thou shalt die. I want to be one of those that will do whatever it takes to walk in and receive the blessings of God's word. Amen. It's up to us. Not up to God. He's not the one that makes the decision. He made his decision when he provided healing for us. But it's up to us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word.
We count it to be truth. We believe it to be truth. We know that you gave your word to us to provide for us, to deliver us, to heal us. And just as Abraham believed you for impossible things, by looking only at your promise, we choose to follow his example. We choose to look only at your word because your word is truth. And by knowing the truth, we shall be set free from any and every work of the enemy. Father, reveal to us your work in these last days. Show us the significance and the meaning of what's going on in Israel today. We pray for Israel that you would cut off the heads of their enemies and deal with their enemies even as the Midianites who when they attacked Israel were destroyed in every possible way. Let Hamas be as the Midianites, Father. Show yourself as the creator of the world, the king of all the earth. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Let's all stand together. Before we go, whatever you're standing for, whatever you're believing God for, whether it's something just with you or your family or whatever, let's just lift our hands and thank him for doing it. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for performing your word, watching over your word to perform it in the precious and holy name of Jesus. We count ourselves as the healed of God. We count ourselves as delivered from the work of the enemy. Thank you, Father, for your loving kindness and tender mercies that you crown us with because you've redeemed our lives from destruction. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. God bless you, folks.
Mountains are still being moved. Strongholds are still being loosed. God, we believe. Yes, we can see that wonders are still what you do. We are here for.
Sing his praise aloud. Sing his praise aloud. Oh, awake my soul and sing. Sing his praise aloud. Sing his praise